What's this? Where's the intro music? I'm used to those old school winning 11 beats by now. Yeah, well, we asked for some submissions from our listeners, and this week I just wanted to start off with the only submission that we've had so far, and that's this from Pro2, or Pro underscore 2, I guess. Here he is. Who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs out? Well, I guess, um, Brian did. And on with the show. Hello again, Pez and Winning Eleven fans from across the world. And looking at the podcast listener stats so far, you really are spread out all over the place. We've had listeners in France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Russia, and even Japan. You're thinking what I'm thinking, right? Is there someone sat in Konami HQ listening to us to pass the time between meetings? Well, probably not, but let's dare to dream, eh? This is episode 3 of the Eva Web Interviews, coming to you in a week where temperature records have been broken all across Europe. In fact, as I speak, it's 33 degrees outside, and it's not much cooler than that inside. In fact, this microphone is dissolving in front of my very eyes, so let's get on with this thing. Okay, disclaimer first, once again, this and the next few interviews took place before the launch of the PES 2020 demo, and before all of the new licenses were confirmed, so now we know for sure that Man United, Juventus and Bayern Munich are all in the game. Also, please remember that you can record a voice response to anything that you strongly agree or disagree with in this or any other episode, that's a complicated sentence, by going to, oh it's not going to get any less complicated from here on in, anchor.com forward slash evo dash web that's a-n-c-h-o-r dot com forward slash evo dash web it sounds like someone threw up a load of punctuation but that's the address what more could i say Anything you say can and will be used against you in a... Wait, no, that's something else. Sorry, what I meant to say is anything that you say may end up being used in a future episode. So please do contribute if you've got any comments about topics brought up in today's show. Now, without further ado, let me introduce you to today's guest. This is one of my favourite interviews so far, which I probably shouldn't say, because it turns out that we disagree on a few things, which is always more interesting to listen to. But beyond that, we get pretty deep into gameplay mechanics, and we talk about online play, which is something that's outside of my wheelhouse. For anyone under the age of 50, that's a fancy way of saying I don't play online, because everyone online's a wife. Just remembered, you can't swear on these things. He also wanted me to mention that the website he speaks about throughout this episode is proevonetwork.com. I'm really tempted to sign up myself. The idea of some kind of online Master League sounds so good, especially when the people that you'd be playing with online aren't absolute. Pleb's not a swear word, is it? I'm Chris Davis. And this is JanGov. So when you when you first started playing PES, was it more about multiplayer or was it? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was, this is just a really enjoyable game. I mean, FIFA back then it played like an absolute pile of wank, didn't it? It was. <laughs> yeah. The, the the other football games that I remember playing a fair bit of, you know, it was uh, sensible soccer, actual soccer. Did you ever play that? Oh yeah, absolutely. There are Barry Barry Davis. 
actual soccer too I think I played a lot of and then yeah some of the older PES ones and then a bit of a gap and then some of the later PES ones at, at university and that was also about 1v1 you know when you've got a six pack of beers and just going around your friends to play PES yes yeah, definitely a multiplayer focus I think so I can't remember too much about actual soccer 2 as a playing experience I can remember a, a fair amount of the likes of Italia games and uh, Sensible Soccer in that they were they were, I think the, the distinction between arcade and simulation is really um, over-egged by a lot of people. I, I find it, I sort of yawn when I see it in reviews these days. But um, I think back then there was a tangible sense that a lot of games were quite arcade especially the, the sort of top-down sensible soccer types. I think I didn't give free for the time of day because it was just so poor. Pez for me, it was hard, I think, is the thing. So when you beat, that's one of the reasons why I was drawn to the, the multiplayer, sat around the uh, sofa just playing your mates, is that when, some, when somebody was good at that game, they were always good at it and always winning the tournaments. And you were just like, you really had to play and practice and like try and figure out what was wrong with your game um, to get better. And I feel like that doesn't really happen so much these days. But like that, that was what drew, drew me to it was the... The difficulty of it that absolutely chimes with something that b-man's just said i spoke to b-man earlier today and he was talking about the reason why he first started playing it um he read an article on the internet that was uh, raving about uh, i think he said it was winning 11 uh, 6 international mm. and he was a fifa player at the time he went out and got this game and he said, within the first few hours, I wanted to take it back. He said, I've just thought this is broken. I can't do the most basic things, uh, running into people, uh, can't score a goal. Um, and he spoke to the guy. He went back on the website where he saw this article saying this is the best football game ever, saying, you know, that I think you're completely wrong because this is garbage. And the guy came back and said, you have to think that the way a footballer would think more than you do with, with FIFA or anything else. Instead of just pushing forward and hammering the, the pass button, think about how your action is going to impact the rest of your team in terms of shape and everything else. Mm. And he said after that, he gave it a, a week or so of absolutely hammering it. And then that became the start of his, his love for the franchise. So again, it was because it was difficult. Mm. That's what really drew him in. So that, that's quite interesting. I think I think connected with that is a lot of people were very young when they came across it. At least I, I assume in our sort of segment of the community, a lot of us are in our sort of at least 30 and heading up towards 40. And there's definitely older people as well. And um, so if you if you were quite young coming across this game and you encountered that skill gap and things just not working and the frustration of it and how do I improve and how do I beat this next level of, of the AI difficulty? Like it, it meant that you had to sort of educate yourself a bit on football and you didn't have the means to do that because you didn't have, well, I mean, the football itself, the, the standard of punditry was terrible as well. I mean, we're, get, we're getting there now, but the likes of Alan Hansen. And so the game itself was a sort of a, an educational tool. I think if you wanted to learn how why mashing X wasn't going to work, you'd have to find that out by paying attention to what happened. I think that's quite a nice side to it, which I don't think a child playing either FIFA or PES would get now. No, I, I completely agree. And speaking mm. of that kind of difficulty level with it, I think that's the other thing that, that really stuck with me when I was playing those games is that when I got the PlayStation 1 for myself and I, I was playing it at home, I started playing with friends. Um, mm. When I was playing at home, on this um, PlayStation 1, I was on playing a Master League. Um, we'd find that 
it would be so so difficult on the higher difficulties to uh, to beat the computer and yet it felt like when you were playing those harder difficulties it wasn't a complete cheat fest and it wasn't a case mm. of you weren't you weren't being able to you weren't able to win because you were just programmed not to it was a case of when you did win that satisfaction mm. is like it's like a drug and that's where FIFA and other games at the time, winning wasn't as difficult and as thoughtful as it was in ISS Pro Evo and, and the, the later games. Mm. So it was a real achievement. It felt like you'd done something special to outthink the computer yeah. to be able to, to beat it. And that just feeds into that addiction, I think. And now we're at a point with the modern games where they're, I think they're still very, very difficult to beat, but it doesn't feel like they're difficult to beat because they're playing the way that that team would play to the best degree. It just yeah. feels like they're playing the best way to, to beat you like every yeah. other team does. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't have that same meaning when you do win. If you look at, I mean, you've brought it up a number of times. You brought it up on that, that Pez Universe podcast and it was in your 2018 review about, you know, reducing everybody to 40 and not seeing any difference. Um, you just sort of have the feeling that, that the difficulty is is a, is a sliding scale and it's just about how pinpoint uh, accurate a team can be. And so when you put it on the highest difficulty level, they're just going to, to exploit what the game itself values the most, which is quick passing, no dribbling. If you, if, if you're to look at the big upset victories of lower teams in real life over big teams, you know, it's it's not always a tactical masterclass, but it's it's executing a particular plan really well, maybe a bit of luck, you know. So when when you when you would get Sam Allardyce at West Ham beating um, Arsene Wenger, you know, it was always you know Arsene Wenger being too stuck in his ways with the possession, and Sam Allardyce playing the right long balls at the right times, you know, just training his players in that one thing. And nowadays, if you were to play a team like Burnley uh, on Superstar. They, they will not execute their plan as best they can, which is what difficulty should be about in football. They will just do the thing that is the most sort of easy route to go. If I had a round of applause button, I would be pressing that right now. But that's the thing that really, that absolutely perfectly describes my issue with the modern games. And I bring up Fulham over and over again. And it's because yeah. of one, one specific game I had against Fulham that just turned me off Pez because... Yeah playing as uh, Newcastle in a save on PES 2019 in the Master League I was playing against. I think it was Liverpool. And they were attacking so much that they left open spaces. And it was still, it was a very difficult game and I lost the game. But they were executing their attacks perfectly and still leaving spaces for me to counter into. But I just didn't mm. have the quality of player to uh, to execute uh, those two. Uh, I couldn't get goals out of those situations. But then playing against Fulham, the passing was like Man City's passing in real life times a thousand. It was instant, first touch, no look, first time passes, just around in a circle, stringing literally six, seven of these passes together yeah. at a time before having to take a touch and look up to, to see where any anything is or where the space is. And I, I just thought, why is this? This isn't fun anymore. This isn't, it's not a fun game. It's not a recreation of real life. It's not a recreation of football. It's just the game going into overdrive to make sure that the game meets your kind of difficulty level. And I'm not talking about superstar or legend here. Um, I'm talking about top player and I'm talking about, um, I think it's professional is the one below. Yeah. 
And if you don't have it on those difficulties, then of course they stand off, um, they make really bad decisions and turn around and pass backwards for no reason when an attacking opportunity presents itself. So you have to put it on those higher difficulties. But as you said, as you've just said so eloquently, the fact is that teams don't play to their tactics or to their abilities. They just play to the script that is. I shouldn't say that because I don't. I'm not into this whole scripting debate and argument. But my point is that there is at least a core kind of methodology of scoring that every single team recipe, uses. Yeah. You know, every match may as well be the exact same team just wearing a different kit. Is how it feels to play against them. Uh, yeah, I agree. But two other things came into my mind um, about why I liked it back in the day. One was the charm of the whole thing. And I don't think you can get away with it today, even though, well, yeah, I mean, to some extent, it's still really bad in terms of uh, UI. I know it's not a big, big thing for you, but, but like the the layout of the menus, the music that played, um, obviously when they didn't have the licensing, they didn't have the FIFA Pro licenses, the ridiculous names. Also, also the characters in Master League, like the whole thing had a certain boyish charm to it. Uh, it was wacky in Japanese as well. You know, and I think among the people who'd realised that FIFA was just rubbish and here was this game that was actually really good and it had this sort of ridiculous side to it. Uh, it was it was sort of like a part of an in-group thing, you know. You know, you and your mates would all be sort of <laughs> participating in this lore almost. It's just ridiculous element to it. The last thing that I really liked about it, I think, was the feel. Hard to describe, but I think it was probably the first time you picked up a football game and thought, this just feels right. This feels really good, uh, and people still reference it. You know, the, the, when they start to when they go over to FIFA and try FIFA, and, and I think it is something that Pez still has to some degree, just not to the same degree. Um, over FIFA, is, 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 is you pick up FIFA and the ball physics just feel floaty and wrong, and uh, like passing and shooting just doesn't feel right. I mean, I know people say that shooting right now is nowhere near where it used to be. But anyway, that was part of part of what was so nice about it was just probably the first time you picked it up and just just felt good. What is the last pairs that you put hundreds of hours into? Uh, the current one, uh, and because I have a way of playing it that is enjoyable, still frustrating but enjoyable. Now that makes me that makes everyone go, oh, what's this magic way? This mm-hmm. sounds good. I've got Pez 2019 in the drawer and I've not played it for ages. Go on, what's your magic way of playing 2019? like-minded people because i think you know i do enjoy the multiplayer experience i I would play online in something like my club more if it wasn't so microtransaction heavy and if some of the sort of team building elements were just better you know like being able to adapt your tactics uh and if it wasn't full of absolute assholes which is yeah it it really is like that it's uh I, i don't think that modern culture is any worse than it used to be in that respect i just think it's more visible the internet in general has brought the worst elements out to the surface social media is like it um web forums can be like it and i feel like uh the sort of competitive nature of online now is just anathema to a nice experience and also to a sort of a realistic footballing experience and something that gets thrown around a lot I was listening to True Brits doing a Q&A. Um, he's a, one of the founders of Pez Universe, and he'd played the, the new build, and he'd also just been doing the commentary for the 
for the Pez League finals, uh, which was a great move because he's genuinely very good at that. And somebody had asked him a question about, you know, oh, you know, they always play on PA2 or PA3. And he was like, yeah, but if I was to go on PA3 against those guys, I'd get absolutely destroyed, you know. And sometimes it's not even an, an advantage. Sometimes, you know, they, they find that they've got less freedom with their passing. So they're just having to focus on getting all the other players into the right spaces. And I was thinking, right, yeah, I, I get that. But at the same time, right, they're, they're always going to win on PA3 versus someone on PA1. Because the, I mean, there's there's no, it's not a surprise that nobody, literally nobody, becomes a finalist by playing PA one. I think Weser, the British pro player, tried, or, or announced his intention to play PA one in the in the Pez League tournament uh, last year, and couldn't stick to it. Right? I mean, there's there's no point in that environment, and what it promotes is a certain kind of sort of foosball style, you know, table football style play uh, you refer to it on the the Pez universe podcast as a level playing field um it is just uh, lightning quick perfect passing where people aren't thinking particularly about where they want that pass to go they're just ready to press the button again and i think you know that's that's what a sort of competitive online gaming culture can do and it's sort of dismissed as um by the by the advocates of that way of doing things as just uh, just competition but football itself is very competitive and it's not just like that, right? I mean, there's loads of different um, tactical strategies that, that go through phases of success and get undone by surprise things. And errors built into that. That's part of the reason why it doesn't always work, um, which you don't get in, in that competitive environment. But also there's, you know, people watch football because of uh, aesthetics as well. Yeah, they, they, eval- they value a certain kind of, emotional experience connected to how beautiful it can be and what this is what i think pez uh, konami are really really missing is they they, they want to push it towards the direction of esports and e-football it's clear that that's what's behind the change to the camera and it's clear why they've changed the the name of the game but in the process they they seem to have overlooked that they need to create gameplay that looks good and i think they they're mistakenly under the impression that lots of goals is what people watching it want. I don't think that's true at all. I think I think people could watch a, a two-two draw or, or a two-nil win uh, of a game that was just had loads of near chances, uh, involved all sorts of intricate play, different tactical setups and switches, and you know I think that would be very very entertaining to watch for the vast majority of people who like to watch football. I guess you could say that falls into the way you get videos of how Pro Evo 2020 is looking, for example, and you'll see guys playing against the AI. They'll put it on the easiest setting immediately to show, you know, to try and score as many goals as they can for the sake mm. of the stream or the video. And I don't know how many people will watch these videos and go, well, that defender there, that AI defender's just stepped out of the way to them score that, or mm. where's that defensive line going? They're just running back to the keeper and beyond so that he's got a free shot at goal. Yeah. It just it looks very strange. And to use that to kind of if not promote, then at least give a window into what the game plays like, I find yeah. to be the the wrong way of, of doing it. And that fits into what you were just saying about, you know, yeah. Konami believing that it looks better if people score more goals, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, most people wouldn't watch uh, those clips uh, and think, 
oh, that's sort of the, 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 the lines retreating or, oh, that's sort of, there's all this space. Because actually, you know, every man and his dog is a analyst, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's just like even professional footballers can be terrible analysts. So it's, it's not like I think a lot of people don't have um, a very sort of conscious awareness of uh, good footballing strategy. But they do enjoy the sum product of good footballing strategy uh, because it has a certain elegance to it. And if real football was as ping-pongy and as just bizarre as what you see in the Pez League finals, I don't think people would enjoy it. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have the vocabulary to explain why necessarily, uh, unless, unless they were the sort of person who had become very interested in the tactical side of football. They just wouldn't enjoy it because it doesn't look good. I find it bizarre that you have anything above PA1 in the game as a whole. And I will say that I'm aware that that's very um, judgmental. It's not the word I'm looking for, but um, I realise that people will enjoy playing it on a level above that. And I'm not saying that, you know, oh, that's wrong for you to enjoy that. But PA1 is, you know, laser guided at the best of times as it is. And there is, there's yeah. no room for a pass to be off target or to be, underpowered and overpowered I, I you very rarely see that but off target i i've seen defenders step up to intercept a pass but yeah. off target other than going directly out of play i've not seen so i, I had a conversation with the guys from um Pez universe about this and they were saying well you know there's guys who there's kids who want to play with their family you might be a dad who has a young son who wants to play with you if you don't put it on pa3 because pa3 isn't just um the pass assist as yeah. much as it's PA for pass assist it includes things like the first touch and uh, the ability to control the ball and put it uh, start it going in the right direction to be a defender or what have you so it's it's oh. more than just a, a pass assist um, extra if you like mm-hmm. um, and I can understand that but then yeah. to allow it online seems crazy to me to me PA1 yeah. should be and if you're trying to as you've just said if you're trying to make um, an empire might be too strong a word, but if you're trying to make this kind of scene, this e-football scene based around your product, and then you're going to allow people to put it on this kind of overdrive assistance where what you then see doesn't mirror real football in the slightest and it becomes its own thing, then that, that seems crazy to me. But then that is the focus of e-sports and, and e-football, I, I believe, is creating this new sport. It's not football. It's something no. else where everything is, is perfect. Perfect. And also just ugly, right? Because it, they're finding that the, the thing about these pros, I mean, if you put a PA1 restriction on it, I'm pretty sure a lot of them would you'd see the same faces um, because they're clearly very good. They practice a lot and they're very good at finding the sort of the weak things in the game that they can exploit. And uh, Pez League released a compilation of the, of, of the, the winner um, of the recent 1v1s. Um, it was Maccabeal. Uh, of, of all his sort of goals on that sort of final stretch of the tournament. And I was watching, I was like, okay, that one's a cutback. That one's a cutback. Oh, that one's a cutback. Uh, that's a sweaty corner exploit. I was like, there, there were a couple in there that were nice, sort of aesthetically pleasing goals. The rest were just, you know, finding the easiest route and hammering it again and again and again. And um, so uh, putting it on PA1 or something weaker than PA1, I think would would create a more attractive game is 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 the big thing. I did disagree least... slightly about. Um, I know you said on the the Pez Universe podcast and, and you you said it just now that it's sort of it's rare to get under hit and over hit passes. 
overhit pass is, is really common on PO1 and it is tied to body position and I know they're trying to market that as a new feature now we'll see to what extent it really is but that's definitely there on PA1 this year and I like that well um, I mean that's I, I absolutely love that as well when you see someone who just because the argument that I see is well these guys are professional footballers so what do you expect you don't want them to be misplacing every pass to you know the wrong person or into the stand or whatever it might be mm. and I always find that to be the extreme end of the spectrum because nobody's saying that it should take you three years to be able to learn the controls for this game to be able to keep the pass within the the realms of the the pitch it's just that occasionally a professional footballer will misjudge where a player is running for example and Mm. just put it in the in the wrong place but more than occasional yes it's pretty common yeah so I, I would describe um, PA1 as um, laser-guided, and that's a, a kind of a, a term that the, the community use when talking about the passing in general. If we're, not, if we're not talking about over and under hit, if we're talking about the actual aim, do you think that's fair? I think it is slightly better, accuracy-wise, than 2018, in terms of there being more genuine error. But I'm not entirely convinced that it is tied to input. I think some of it is just random number generation stuff. And that really frustrates the hell out of me. I like, by all means, use RNG to create error in your game, but relate that statistically to the passing ability of a player and the other sort of contextual factors on the pitch. Um, so I, I do see it a bit. I see it more than last year. As I say, I, I do play hundreds of games. To get, to get back to your question, which was the last one I played regularly, and the reason I say... Is this one and the reason is playing with like-minded people i sort of we've we've gone off on this tangent about the sort of the online esports element and my club that's not generally where i play except except i do sometimes play the my club co-op stuff uh, i would like not to have to use my club teams but it's just the way it goes there the, where i play is in a is in a league there's, there's there's a few leagues around i think we're probably the oldest console league i don't know if there are pc leagues called Provo network and it's a bit like uh the master league online style of management except we've got our own database it's not on we're using the player database from the game uh, with all the stats that they have that's entered into our own database we don't have necessarily all the players in the database because we've only got so many managers i don't know how many managers we've got it's in the hundreds and we have transfer threads and auction threads. And so there's this sort of engagement with the, the league system uh, outside of uh, playing the game itself. And then we obviously have fixtures, occasionally tournaments. Uh, and there's sort of the, the, the ethos of the place. You know, not anybody can just join up. Anybody is welcome to join. But like to get an actual league spot, you have to um, play a lot of friendly matches, uh, interact with the community in, in the forum about anything it doesn't have to be pairs um, and get to a point where I think there's there was sometimes the discussion as well with some of the admins like is this person a good fit and that sort of question is going to be you know how are they playing are they being as exploitative as possible sweaty as we call it or are they you know looking to have a good time do you think that maybe you could have a word with them and see whether that would change you know I think when I joined one of the guys was making sort of uh, hints that I didn't pick up on that I was being a bit too heavy with the press and this was in PES 2016 I think and I just hadn't picked up on it at all 
or things like um uh, I remember I put up a goal that I'd scored in a in a my club game and one of the guys was just like that goal shake my head you know and I thought what was wrong with it you know and what I'd done was I think use use the corner trick where you select a player and it landed perfectly to him and then I headed it down and scored and, and it, it was it was doing sort of two things that are frowned upon right you know doing this easy auto select thing and sort of a cutback uh, and it was just something that hadn't really occurred to me because like if, if, you, if you evolve your your playing style in the online culture you end up picking up all sorts of exploitative things and everybody else does it I mean there are some things that I never did for instance I, I hate hassling the goalie um, or the defender when people are trying to pass it out because I think you don't see it that often in real life and that's because it's actually quite hard to do that uh, effectively anyway and players are, are able to pass it off without too much trouble but online it's just it's just rampant uh, so things like that get ironed out of your game and what you're left with is generally a quite sort of sportsman-like nice experience and when you have those playing conditions and it's 1v1 so the sort of AI problems that you're getting are your own attacking AI being stupid especially this year just sort of running in front of you the ball clipping their heels and defensive AI problems like why is my line so deep I put it up really high etc etc but you don't get the problem of repetitive or stupid or mis- just you know the, all the sort of stuff that you get when you play masterly um, so you don't have that irritant in it and generally you don't have the irritant of people being absolute scumbags and when you've got those conditions you actually start to see that the game still has a really good foundation that's a really good point that you make about when you play online for a prolonged period of time that you mm. you pick up those kinds of without realizing it almost you pick up mm. those you know this is what to do to to stay in the game i think yeah. my uh, <clears throat> going back to my 74 year old dad he's been playing fifa for the last few years so um, absolutely religiously online that when we play together I'll go around occasionally and say, oh, let's play a few friendlies and, uh, you know, have a few matches against each other. And he will, from kickoff, immediately just be looking to hit the, the long balls. And whenever the AI has possession, he'll be pressing every single man that he can into, into that ball carrier to try and just, mm. you know, hassle the ball back. And it, it makes you realise that it is two completely different play styles to play online versus offline. It is just two different worlds. All my games are normally online, right? Um, so we've created the conditions where you can sort of enjoy the good spirited way of playing that you might get against the computer or you would have got playing with your mate right next to you. Another another rule of the, the league is that you know you have to have them on mic during the games. So there is that personal element to it. And I think... I mean, obviously, there's still you'll still get bad blood between particular people, or one person's accused of being um, a sweaty bum, as they'll call them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the sort of the kind of insult. So you, you still get that, but it's not it's not as often. And you know, there is there's a sense of community, and you call it sweaty play. I think one of the reasons probably is because like you get you come off the end of a my club game, and you're like your heart rate is just beating, not because the game was so fun. <laughs> Not because it's like, well, there was this chance and then this chance, and it's like, what a what a cracker! Your heart rate's beating because you're just like almost like angry and furious and uh, like can't believe they actually went for that kickoff goal for the third time in a row and that sort of thing. And it's just like, or it's been so intense with the pressing that you're like, I've not had a second here, and I'm just trying to switch the ball to deal with it. I also think um, 
a lot of the things that you will hear people complain about, for instance, on Evo Web, like no player individuality, it doesn't always strike you that way. You know, when we, we've got a transfer market, but another sort of big driver of uh, the way the market will work is people becoming attached to certain play styles and to certain stats being prominent in a particular player. And they're like, oh, I'm not going to buy him yet. I'm just going to try him out in a number of friendlies. And then they sort of get to sort of get to have a feel and they're like you know there's something about this player that actually is genuinely better for my style than this other player you know I, I play at the moment up top we've got Alexandre Mendy Mendy I think he's been he's been on loan somewhere in France uh, he's not had a particularly good season and I was, I was trying to flog him uh, no one was, was sort of biting but I just sort of thought you know what he's actually really suits my play style play style and he's got he's got I think sort of 80 dribbling um He's got a dummy runner um, and track back. And I'm finding track back is just so useful because although I'm not a big fan of frontline pressure, uh, particularly not in this game, because I think it's sort of seemed really geared towards it to the point where everybody does it online. Um, I really like having somebody up front who will drop deep, help get play started, maybe make a tackle and then run on. And he's, he's just so good at doing that to the point where I try out the strikers and I, I really have to change how I approach the game. And I, and I feel like I don't know what Master League is like for that now. I can't, I can't play Master League because I find it so boring, uh, both the AI and the sort of the overall interface. So maybe, maybe some of that people pick up on when they're playing in their own teams. I don't know. Um, I probably don't see it so much from the, from the computer controlled teams, but, you definitely don't see it too much in the the my club world where everybody's trying to sign black balls and everybody's trying to sign well sometimes legends or featured players now more than anything and you see it on these sort of reddit threads and weepers uh, and other places they'll be really disappointed when they've done a spin and it's you know three silver ball players whereas the attitude in pro evolution network where almost all teams range from players of about 70 to 80. 80, 81 players are star players. And if you have too many of them in your team, then your wages will have a multiplier. So most people only have two or three. The attitude towards those players is, well, what are their stats? Or what's their real form been like in real life? Are they going to improve? Might I get an upgrade at some point? This is sort of an attachment to uh, the players and the individuality of them, which I just think other playing experiences don't give you. Okay, so have you seen all of the PES 2020 news that's been coming out over the last few weeks? So I'm talking about stuff like the E3 uh, trailer, uh, some of yeah. the gameplay videos that uh, places like PES Universe have, have put out. You, you've seen all of these, uh, all of this stuff. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go through each newly announced feature with you now, and you can tell me how excited or just how interested you are in uh, seeing how these are implemented. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start out with number one. The first thing that they announced was improved ball physics. How do you feel about that? I don't mind the ball physics for the most part in 2019. I think they're pretty good. Some things I don't like, for instance, are um, overhit passes instead of underhit passes. So I like that there's error, but it feels like if you do a pass on the turn or a shot on the turn, sometimes there's just like extra power in the ball and it goes spinning and spinning and spinning. I think great that there's been a mistake, but like the balls come in slowly and I've scuffed it. Why has it gone so far? Like uh, I should have a reduced power here. And I've seen in some of the sort of tips boxes that come up regarding um, mishits that um, 
which they've, they've misspelled it as well. They've got a double S on it. Um, <laughs> this oh, no. Yeah, Miss Kicks. And it's like, hmm, it sounds like a character in a children's oh, show. So it, it comes up and says Miss Kicks. I thought it was coming up and saying Miss Hits with two S's, which is obviously something. Oh, in... <laughs> no, no. It's not that bad. Uh, most people probably wouldn't notice it, but I'm a bit anal about that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's so. It's an intentional pun. Well done. <laughs> there's um a box comes comes up and uh, one of them explains that you know if you, if you try and do something where your body body position isn't facing it uh, and i know this is a separate quote unquote feature it says it'll be under hit and i really like that it said that i mean i don't know if that's just for brevity and it's actually going to be uh, a range of things but at the moment almost every miss kick is over hit and that really annoys me. So that's an element of the ball physics that I think isn't, isn't very realistic as it stands in PES 2019. So for PES 2020, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it, I'm not sure if it's a, a feature or something that should be listed on the back of the box. It's just that every year you expect to improve ball physics, right? Because there should be more animations or different animations, at least. Um, there should be new situations that you're able to get into. And, you know, ball physics is never going to be perfect. So <laughs> you expect that. But yeah, I'm moderately excited for that. That chimes with everything that uh, B-Man and Rockstrongo said um, in terms of why is this a back-of-the-box feature? It should surely, if you're just improving something year on year, then it's not a feature, is it? And you may well be reiterating that point for half of these features, but we shall see. Uh, Number two is new first-touch techniques. Yeah, so I, I believe they have actually introduced a sort of a control mechanism for that from what I can glean from what other people have been saying when they played it. I, I think that one of the best things about PES 2019, uh, it's also one of the worst things, is just um, when you introduce the online element to it, because lag really doesn't help, is how heavy first touches can be. Now, what's, what's really bad about that is the online culture of pressing really heavily, especially in this game, means that you're getting dispossessed all the time with heavy first touches. But one of the good things is that I, it, it clicked with me that I could actually do some things to improve this situation. So the use of R1, sometimes R1 and R2, and sometimes just R2, to control where I put the ball after I got it is something that I've got fairly good at. You know, this year in, in the league I play in, I got promoted from the Championship to the Premiership. I'm now getting my arse handed to me almost every game. But in the Championship, uh, I was quite lucky. But one of the things that I think I was doing right there was when the ball came in I was able to shift it where I wanted using a quick tap of the sprint button sometimes a double tap and sometimes using um, super cancel instead yeah just just depending on the context so I think like you can manage it now but it feels like a very um, incomplete science and I also think that a lot of people don't realize that you can do it I've been telling people oh you've got you've got to use R1 to control where you take that ball the moment it lands otherwise you'll just get tackled so I like the fact that from the sounds of it, they've actually introduced a mechanic. I think it's going to be the right stick. Uh, I put up a post in the forum about the new dribbling system. and I th- my, my impression is that R2 as a modifier is just going to be for no touch stuff. And right stick is going to be just a, a sort of a more fine control of the ball as it comes in. So I think it's probably going to be flick the right stick in a direction, which I pretty much already do with R1 and, and the left stick the moment the ball comes in and if that's a bit more responsive and it's implemented well and it doesn't become um sort of a way to escape every single challenge yeah i like that i'm excited about that 
Well, that brings me on perfectly to number three, which is that finesse dribbling that you've just mentioned. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not a big dribbler in um, Pro Evo, and I, do, I am much more of a, uh, I do tend to pass around situations because I've always felt like dribbling, you have to input commands a second in advance, which to me seems like the opposite of a real world situation. You are judging someone by the, maybe not millisecond, but you are watching their body and then you have to have that quick response mm. time dribbling and mm. able to, to get past them. That's something I've always struggled with. So I'm not an expert in this area, but there is a lot of talk about how this is, this finesse dribbling system is something completely uh, new from how dribbling is done right now. How do you feel about this this new system? Do you think it needs overhauling? Do you like the sound? Do you like what you're hearing about this new finesse dribbling system? Or basically, is it a case of it ain't broke, so please don't touch it? Uh, I do like the sound of it, um, with some caveats. But in, in relation to why you, you're not much of a dribbling guy, you know, the feeling that you have to sort of input commands ahead of time, and that really doesn't seem like it chimes with the nature of what the dribbling conundrum is on the pitch. I think there's a couple of things about that. It's like they've actually implemented left stick dribbling for a couple of years now. And I didn't know what that meant. I remember V-Man talking about it on on, on either, the, I think it might have been the Winning Eleven blog when he was still doing that podcast. Um, and I, I remember messaging him on Twitter like, what, what do you actually mean? I don't know. And it wasn't really very well advertised. But, you know, it's little flicks of the left stick when you've got the ball will shift your body weight. They've introduced that and that's pretty responsive and that's been there. Uh, at least since 2018, I think. And I've often found that the best dribbling in this recent run of, you know, 2015 onwards has been just with the left stick. It used to be also using close control with, with, with R2 and then using R1 as a burst of pace out of it. The bits that I think are, okay, I've got to think ahead and anticipate the situation and then pull off a string of moves and then hopefully that's going to line up with what I think is going to happen. That's the skill moves side of it. Um, I, th- I think it's an artificial distinction in real life between a skill move and dribbling. I think dribbling is a series of skill moves in iteration. And from the sounds of what they've done now is they've they've brought those two closer together. So if, for instance, you know, the player's coming in and you flick back on the right stick and you've done a drag back just by that very means, and then you press left and you suddenly, if, say you're a left footed player, you've done a drawing open, I think it's called, which is like an L-shaped trick as you've just pulled it back with your right foot and then pulled it to the left with your, with your left foot. Uh, and that's pretty instantaneous from the sounds of it. Adam, in some of the E3 presentations, used the uh, example of fighting games. Uh, I, I think he was showing some of his lack of experience with modern fighting games, especially when you think of things like, well, actually, I don't know, I was going to say UFC, but that, one of the problems with combos on, on, on the recent UFC games is that you have to put them in ahead of time. So maybe he has a point, but he was saying that, that up to this point, dribbling has felt like you know you, you input a succession of commands and then when your last command is finished, then you'll see the, the trick play out. And he says they've, they've tried to completely redo that now. He says it's hard. It's hard to find a, 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 the balance where you still get sort of ingenuity, um, but you also get response. And so there's still that skill gap. That is the biggest worry for me, is that I've heard a couple of people from the play tests, I think Pezup said it, that, that it looks like this could be really easy for everyone. That's one worry. The other worry is that, okay, Pez has found this great new flashy thing that they like, and they, they can make everyone do it equally well. So are we going to get uh, Phil Jones being able to dribble really smoothly 
do the nice little drag backs because if so that's just going to look really cheesy yeah that, that's always again my concern whenever i hear anything of anything like this being implemented is does it apply for everyone uh how is it a random number generator thing or is it based on um the context being correct to a real world scenario mm. so yeah that is i i have the exact same uh fears with that one mm. um, but it's pretty good right yeah. now like i find that it's dribbling with some hulky center back will will get me in trouble now number four is context sensitive kick accuracy and you've kind of mentioned this before with the uh the yeah. miskicked box that uh, that appears, and this is something I should say personally. This is the thing I think I'm most excited for because it's something that I've championed for for years. That the amount of pass error and shot error that you see in games like you know the the game that shall not be named, i.e. FIFA, mm. um, having that kind of range of outcomes from a kick just adds so much. I mean, naturally, it adds so much variation to every game. So. To hear this gets me excited. Looking at the videos, I'm not sure it happens very often. But uh, as I said before, some people would say, well, they're professional footballers, so it shouldn't happen too often. But how how do you feel about it? Um, I think if it's as described in the title of the the quote-unquote feature, I'm happy with that. I think it's a great thing. But the the question is, is it really sensitive to the context? Or, I mean, if it's an RNG thing, that's not really being sensitive to the context very much. You know, uh, what leg, uh, how fast is the ball coming? What leg am I using to kick the ball? How early did I press the button or late, as the case may be? Yeah, all of these things should have a sort of a realistic consequence. And if we don't see that, then it's not really context sensitive kick accuracy. To some extent, as I say, I think it is there in 2019, certainly more so than 2018. So I'm not so sure that it really warrants being called a feature. They've put tip boxes up for it coming up as, as i said earlier with the miss kicks thing um so that's encouraging and i know that a lot of the play testers immediately put it on pa2 and pa3 and they were still seeing passes go missing i think somebody said out of 10 passes on pa3 playing ping pong six landed now i know in your thoughts you're thinking well what does landing mean like does it mean it goes to the player you want and the ones that didn't land still went to a player, just not the player that you wanted, um, or immediately to the feet of an intercepting defender, or does it mean that they've just dribbled off into empty space? Yeah, I don't really know what um, what the person would have meant by 6 out of 10. But I'm, I'm sort of reasonably confident this is going to be the best we've had since 2015 in terms of body posture mattering. Yeah, and that's any kind of improvement is, is welcome, isn't it? Whether it's uh, you know, a slight improvement or a massive improvement, it can only be an improvement hopefully um well that brings us on to number five which is the inspire feature now this is where a player's ability will um Mm. impact on the teammates around them so the example i think of is if i've got a long ball player or someone like david beckham who has the skill cards to to back that up then teammates start making those kinds of runs for for him um how do you feel about that it's it's always with caveats isn't it i like the idea I'm a bit worried because um, uh, Matt Tenell did a really good post on, it was actually posted on Pez Universe a while ago about hierarchies, basically different levels of tactical systems in the game and how they sort of overlap and how it's really obscure what takes precedence when you've got certain things in combination. You know, what you've got 
a deep defensive line on, but you've put three or four or five on the attacking uh, spirit bar that you get in game. You say you've gone max that out and then you've got deep defensive line on and you've got a centre back who's got man marking and you've put him on the forward, but he's also got extra front man as his player role. How do all those things, and he's got like a low attacking prowess, like how, how do all those things combine? Like, does one thing just take precedence? Is there like a series of things taking precedence? Like, is it a combination effect? Like, it's really unclear. And I think, well, a lot of people complain about scripting in the game and, and just dodgy shit happening. I think it is a large amount that can be accounted for by the, the really sort of unclean intersection of all these different tactical elements. And I'm worried that Inspire could be another one of those things. I think, you know, so right now you've got a gay compressed tactical, it's called advanced instruction. You put that on and regardless of whether you've gone all out defence and conservative, uh, your players will, to some extent, now try and press the, the man with the ball as quickly as they can. And you're like, OK, I've got Peter Crouch there. I don't know if he's still in the game. You've got Peter Crouch there and I've got, I don't know, his Latan there. Why why are they able to effectively press in this game? It's, it's almost as though their individuality, their player skills have not been taken into account at all in the implementation of this feature. So, you know, I've got one concern is, uh, are we, is it just going to be a mess on the pitch because too many things are happening? And another concern is, you know, is it, is it going to be really illogical? Am I, am I going to have, the, I know Messi's probably the sort of the main example everyone uses, but, you know, some silky dribbler who's got like a, a high inspire stat for dribbling, which means other players are going to try and make runs. But is Andy Carroll going to make the right run? You know, what I, mean? I, I don't want him to. I want him to be an absolute donkey on the pitch. And, or maybe maybe he tries the right run but falls over. Like, <laughs> that's what I want. But I, I don't think we're going to get that. So I'm a bit... I, I like the idea because it, it could create some more interesting attacking AI and it could create some interesting ways in which the defensive AI of the opposing team will interact with those situations. But again, I want some defenders, I don't know, somebody like Van Dyke, to be able to read what's happening when somebody's making a decoy run and not fall for it. Or as happened in, I think, a Champions League game or a Premier League game at some point late in the season, Van Dyke was like, there's two men running here. There's going to be a cutback. Do I stick with the man with the ball or do I mark the other one? And he marked the other one because he decided the player with the ball isn't very good at shooting. He'll probably sky it. And he did. You know, so <laughs> that, what, is that sort of intelligence going to be represented? You know, I don't know. I mean, that, that's the dream, isn't it, that we get to that level of representation but I mean for me the simplest test of this inspire feature will be if I have again I come to Beckham as the example who wants to hit long balls to wings or whatever it might be Mm. um, or at least the game interprets his skill set as that and I've said tactically I want everyone close together for the sake of increasing short pass accuracy yeah what happens there Um, who who is listened to exactly Um, I think it sounds promising but as it sounds like a dream if it can be implemented properly because the sort of thing that they've tried to introduce with team spirit is just really cat handed and you just sort of don't know what it means you know it, it could actually be actively brilliant in this sort of system but yeah i think team spirit as an idea is fantastic because if i'm playing fifa and i have 100 million pounds and i can go out and get one of the best players in the world and they immediately fit in and just play like they played for that team for years then that's not as satisfying as 
having to make a decision with that same amount of money on Pro Evo of, okay, do I go for that brilliant player, but he's not going to fit in and it's going to impact on our current run of form, or do I go for someone who's maybe not as good, but will immediately, he has that same kind of um, mm-hmm. tactical um, game plan awareness that that, uh, that we're putting in at the moment. From that point of view, I think Team Spirit's great, but as you say, the way it is implemented is literally just we will make it impossible for you to string three passes together if it's below yeah. 60. And it's such a it's such a shame that something that is clearly a real football issue when it comes to being a manager that they're trying to recreate there. And that is yeah. admirable. And it's something that I think is, is quite powerful for them to... When you look at the kind of features of FIFA and Pro Evo and you look at the things that really stand out as... This is their idea, and this is their kind. Of, they're doing something unique from the other. That stands out for me because you've got chemistry and everything in Ultimate Team and in My Club, and uh, you know all those kinds of online features. But that's based around nonsense. It's based around oh, they're both English, so therefore they'll get on fine, or whatever it might be. Uh, even My Club actually, there's still a tactical element there between manager and players, and between players and each other that is based on those real connections so that that's great so for it to mean nothing in master league and it just be a kind of a hammer to hit you with you know oh you can't put three passes together because you're playing you know a young right winger giving him his first game and suddenly your left back and your left midfielder have forgotten how to pass the ball to each other because your team yeah. spirits dropped that's that's my feeling with all this so this this inspires stuff if it's part of their future plan that's great for making games truly different from each other but just as you say, please, dear God, implement it in a, in a way that makes sense. Yep. So, uh, yeah, moving on, number six is new defending animations. Yeah, I think, I think the way they marketed it was um, new ways to defend, which I think is a bit misleading. Um, it was clarified in one of the streams when Adam says, oh, yeah, there's, there's the, new, the new kind of sliding tackle that you're now able to do. Uh, it wasn't like a new command, you know. It's just more context. Um, I like it. I mean, it's part of the sort of the general design choice of um, of Pez over FIFA is, you know, context is king. Um, you just have to contend with the environment. I think that's great so long as it's well tuned. Uh, whereas FIFA, I think, just it goes too far down a command based route, and it ends up becoming really, really sweaty and spammy um, within minutes of a new feature coming out. So I like I like that there's new quote unquote ways to defend. It'll be interesting. I mean, one of the most annoying things online is when you're through on goal and somebody just decides, look, the red card's worth it. I'm just going to hack you down because it's the 89th minute and you just think you're absolute tool. But I think it'll be more interesting if what happens when somebody double taps X from behind is they pull your shirt and you fall over. Because, you know, it's a cynical foul. There'll be a yellow card for it. You know, they can't do it again. I just sort of think that that might introduce a new element to it. From the... Um, versus the computer side of things I, I don't know it'll be interesting if um if it's localized you know if you'll see that sort of thing more in south american teams and you know whether you'll see the they've changed militia to gamesmanship now whether you'll see the new ways of defend like the, the the double tapping x from behind putting a shirt whether some some players more easily fall down than others or must get fouls more often than others you know or whether some players like Ashley Young are just really bad at it and everybody spots that it's a dive. <laughs> you know, that'd be a really good player, right? Number, number seven, then, carrying on from what you just said, number seven is deliberate fouls. So that's, 
I don't know if it's a specific button combination that's been added in that means that you can... The way that I'm reading this, because I'm just taking this from what they've said in the trailers and then from the the PR blurb, Mm. I'm taking it as if you are in a certain situation and you press tackle and it's clear and obvious that you are just trying to take the guy out, then it will Mm. play a new animation. But I have heard talk of it's going to be if you hold a shoulder button and press tackle then it will be a deliberate, I'm not going for the ball here, I'm going for the man. And this raises questions with me of, you know, which, for a start, which of those is the actual case? And also, does the AI, again, coming from an offline perspective, does the AI ever do this? So what do you think of the addition of these uh, deliberate files in whatever guise it takes? I don't know what you've read about it. I, my impression is that it, it really is just context-based. Uh, I'd be surprised if it isn't, but yeah, be interesting if it isn't. I guess it just flows on from what I was saying before because I think I probably um, merged the two in my head. Uh, as long as it doesn't become something that is just abused is my thing because I'm always thinking about the online context. Um, I think it'll add an interesting spicy element to the sort of games that I play in my league where you know you don't really want to do that sort of thing but there might be occasions where you're like you know what I'm just, I'm just going to go for this <laughs> and you'll apologise and there'll be a bit of an awkward silence on the mic. <laughs> that can introduce some sort of interesting elements and some interesting arguments. I'm quite warm to the idea. So number eight is new skills and abilities. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're chopping up the same cake into many pieces and sort of, I don't know what my cake analogy is going here, but I feel like they, for instance, <laughs> new, 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 new ways to defend and um, intentional fouls are, are two ways of saying the same thing or emphasising you know, slightly different aspects of the same thing. And I think here... It might be quite similar again. What was the feature called? It's uh, new skills and abilities. So this is yeah, you know, yeah. new player cards. The only one that comes to ah. mind that I've seen is the uh, through pass card. Now, this is, I've said earlier, um, and I probably edited it out, um, but I was talking to you about the difference between attributes and skill cards and how... Mm. Uh, you brought up that when I did the PES 2018 video review, mm. I reset all of Man City's um, attributes to 40, and yeah. they played exactly the same way. And I don't know, I, I don't really like this idea that the attributes don't seem to mean anything anymore, and especially mm-hmm. when in comparison to, to player cards. So I, I'm looking for your opinion of the um, the fact that there's new skills and abilities. The only one I can think of that comes to mind is that there's a through pass kind of player skill now but the other conversation i want to have with you is is this the way to go about it basically you were talking before about uh, the man marking player skill card yeah so if you have a defender who's one of the best defenders in the world but he doesn't have that man marking skill assigned to him and with this through pass skill that's been added now if you have someone who's long passing and short passing is 90 plus but they don't have the through pass card they're mm. just not very good at through passes. It, it seems to me like one is fighting the other, which you were talking before about, you know, how tactics mm. play into some of this stuff and that one instruction can override another and advanced instruction can override your defensive line position or, or whatever it might be. So I, I don't like the mash of attributes and skill cards that, that exist mm. at the minute, but... How do you feel about all this? Yeah, so the ones that spring to mind that I've seen, uh, you, you put through pass. I think also um, they, they're probably counting as an ability, just any extra stat, right? So um, aggressiveness, 
Yes. Oh, aggression. Sorry. Um, that's one of the new ones. Uh, these things are like the, the people on the, the forum where I play, they get really excited about new stats and new, new skill cards because it, it becomes a selling point, um, a selling point for uh, the transfer market. You know, it's like uh, anybody want to buy uh, this um, Scottish young centre mid with great aggression. You know, it becomes like a, something you, you, can, you can advertise as long as it actually has a real impact. You know, I, I recently was searching for a, a defensive midfielder. I ended up getting Milivojevic, who cost me an arm and a leg. Um, and I, I wanted somebody with an anchor man or destroyer because I just I have seen the impact of that on the pitch. So, yeah, it could be good to have more individuality is what it could lead to. Do I think that there's, it's just going to create more circumstances where there's a mash, you know, mash-up of things? Potentially, you know, I, I like to see a bit more about how these things interact I'd like to know that if I stick defensive on somebody who's got high attacking prowess, what does that mean? Uh, why can't that sort of be greyed out as an option? You know, if it's gonna if it's gonna create a mess, um, or is one gonna take precedence? You know, with something like through pass, I think the way it works now is uh, something like outside curler. You know, if you've got if you've got a, a prolific winger who's strongly right footed um, and he's got outside curler and you aim the shot across goal, there's a high chance in that context, if it's, if it's sort of all set up right, that they'll hit it with the outside of the foot and it all sort of bend round into the, into the far corner. It can look really nice. And that's, that doesn't seem too messy, do you know what I mean? That's just like, most players either won't do that at all or it'll happen very rarely. And so somebody with that, you're just going to see that sort of thing. But then also you have this sort of randomness to it where I think if they've got outside curler, all of a sudden you've, you've done a through ball and it seems like you've done the perfect weight behind the pass and the situation's just right. But because your guy's got outside curler as a stat, it does this sort of uh, right spin if he's hit it with the insta or whatever spin they, they've used. And it's like, ah, now now the ball's got a different weight to it. And now the defender is actually caught up with it. And I really just wanted to play a nice, simple through ball. I didn't want this floaty, spinny thing. Um, but I can't choose not to do it. Um, so um, it'd be interesting to see you know, I, I don't want all through balls to be crap unless somebody's got the through ball card. You know, it sh- for me, it should work as a sort of uh, a multiplier effect on the proficiency of something. To make the opposite uh, point to what you just made, I think, in a sense, the outside curler card that can be assigned to someone, my mm. view has always been, OK, you can have people who maybe specialise in that. But to me, it's always been a bit too black and white and... Well, if you don't have this card, then you can never do that. You can never hit a shot like that. And I think mm-hmm. that if you're a professional striker, then you will occasionally hit a shot like that. I'll give you an example of um, I uploaded a goal from Pez, I think it was 2017, it might have been 2018 the other day, where I scored a kind of a knuckle shot with, um, it was an Inter Milan player whose name escapes me. And it, I've never seen it before. Um, just hit this shot out of nowhere from long range uh, mm. that was so powerful and so low that it just completely threw the keeper and it looked great. But that what other players do that who aren't specialized at doing that thing. It was, it's just that occasionally the opportunity will present itself and they'll go for it and they will score. So to me, this idea of having attributes, which are for me, the odds of being able to perform a high level of something versus a skill card, which is, if you don't have this, you can't do it. 
that for me is is the wrong way of doing it because it's too black and white. It's an on and off switch that isn't realistic. I mean, I could hit a, a knuckleball shot, whether it's good or not, is another thing. But I could I could attempt that, and I would score with it if I had you know enough uh, opportunities. But then also, as you say, it's again, it's it's almost the opposite argument to what you said, but. It is the case of you have to do it almost. You can't say, well, I don't want to use that ability right now. It's mm. he's just going to do it because of the, um, the mm. situation. And I I don't know. I, I, I'm not a fan of this skill cards concept for certain things that really are only the top 1% of players can do this thing. Then I see mm. the, the kind of methodology that's, uh, that's there for it. But otherwise, I just think that everyone is capable of, of doing those things. Mm. I think I think the idea, at least as they describe it in the, the, the sort of uh, help menus and whatnot, is that it uh, increases the likelihood of something happening rather than exclusively gives these players with this uh, skill card the, the relevant skill. And and I do see that you know acrobatic finishing is a thing, acrobatic clearance is a thing. Um, but I I recently scored a beautiful goal. I've entered it into our goals goals of the month thing, and it was it was an early cross from from the right wing with. Um, the weak foot, which you know shouldn't have been any good, but there you go. And the ball came in, floated over Mendy's head, and he just it was just an inch perfect um, overhead kick, bounced off the bar in the, the right way. It was beautiful. I don't think I may be eating my words if, if I'm wrong, but I don't think Mendy has uh, acrobatic finishing. You know, and I, it was good because I don't sort of see him do that sort of thing very often. But he just had he just had the ability to do it there in that in those circumstances, and just felt great. So I, like, yeah. But more of that would be good. I, I agree with you. It shouldn't be. Uh, it shouldn't be binary. So I am definitely going to quickly Google whether Mendy has the, uh, <laughs> the just purely because I would be really interested to know because because I've got that, I've got our own pet database up here. So I'll just quickly check Mendy first time shot track back rising shots. He doesn't have it. No. So there you go. Well, I mean that that's yeah. fantastic then, and I'd I'd love it if that's the case with everything. It what shocked me was that. That knuckle shot that I saw, literally in my years of playing pairs, I've never seen someone score a goal like that. So that's mm-hmm. what made me go, whoa, hang on a minute, how come he's just done that and I've never seen it before? And he did have that card. But if it's maybe it's different abilities are different percentages. So the fact that you could score yeah. that overhead kick, maybe you know there's a 20 or 30% chance of, of being able to do that in the right scenario, whereas with the card, yeah. it's... 60 or whatever it might be whereas with the knuckle shot the ratio is completely different and your chances of doing that without the card are you know one percent possibly so I, I, yeah. I don't know i don't know the ins and outs of um how it's implemented but it just always felt to me that seeing things in the game that you've never seen before purely because someone has a card and it's and it's a shot type or a pass type that you see not often but regularly mm. um makes it it makes the balance seem a bit off but i I get what they're trying to do with it and um obviously the more kind of unique uh skills that they put in there to really recreate different people's play styles then they uh the better yeah so moving on to master league um i know master league you said earlier is um you you play online more than you play master league but uh, there's a few master league features that maybe uh, could tempt you back. Number nine is Master League Legend Managers. How do you feel about that? That's oh, pointless to me. It's pointless. The thing that would tempt me into doing Master League is um, it's not that. I'll just say that because there's there's other features so I'll end up running over. But yeah, I don't really see the 
point. Is that the best use of Maradona's likeness? I don't know. It's an uh, odd one to me. And what else is odd about it is that the original PR stuff said you can pick a legend manager or there is a fully customizable manager model, which since then they've had to update the page to put a strike through that and admit that that's not true. And it just makes you realize that all of the information that these poor PR guys get is it sounds like it's through Google Translate, essentially, but it's just being mm. mistranslated. And then we're getting features advertised to us that don't actually exist. So, yeah, it's... Um, I mean, it's they went into one. detail on that. They said, like, you can make your body chubby and, like, you can do all these different facial things with the make your own manager. And I was thinking, oh, it would be wonderful if that carried over to players as well. But that so, dynamic lighting scandal of 2020, isn't it? <laughs> it is... It's like our Watergate. Actually, there's, there's something that's worse than that, and that's going to come up in a sec. But before we get to that, number 10, Master League Interactive Dialogue System. How do you feel about that? I think it, it could be really crap. It could be really crap. I mean, I, for me, the thing that makes Master League not immersive isn't the lack of backroom cutscene dialogues. It's um, transfer market being really rubbish and uh, the same sorts of um, text boxes coming up when you signed a player and exactly the same press conference or maybe this will be slightly different at least when you join the club it, it, it could become really repetitive and really poor it really quickly i mean when they released the screenshot of some of the dialogue options with maradona i did laugh um it i was saying with my friend it's a bit like um sort of the japanese role-playing games um like yakuza which i'm a big fan of yakuza i'm playing yakuza zero at the moment some of the conversations you can have in that are just just ridiculous i mean you don't often get many multiple choice things but like there's a certain like wackiness to it that i think is really enjoyable but you know what you're getting it would be really out of place to introduce that into a football game i've seen that same screenshot you're referring to and it's maradona at a press conference saying we are going to play a cool sportsman-like game and it's not something he would ever say. In fact, um, speak to B-Man earlier, he said, oh, you'd only say that if I was high, if he was high. And I yeah. said, yeah, so you're saying it's realistic then, but it's, <laughs> it's definitely not. I, my fear with it, I think if it's, you can have interactions with your players and discuss the fact that you're not playing them very often and they want to go, um, then that, that's a good thing. Because for me, the big issue I have with Pro Evo Master League is that you can sign a player for the maximum contract available, which is, you know, five years or 10 years or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and they're your slaves. It doesn't matter if you play them or not. They don't have an opinion. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They're not asking to go elsewhere. They're not asking why they're not playing. You can't say, improve your abilities and training. I want you to get better at this. You had so many chances and you missed, so therefore you need to improve your finishing or whatever. They just sit there and, and you use them and then they're gone. It's they're like ink cartridges. They're just, they're not people. It's such a, a, yeah. a joyless way of doing it. And um, as B-Man pointed out, in um, FIFA, you have a kind of a morale score for each player that whether it has an effect on the gameplay or not, and I don't believe it does really, the fact is that that system is, is in there that if you're playing someone or not, it does have an effect on a an attribute that should affect their uh, performance on the pitch whereas pro evo just has four marrows which are oh you've scored a hat trick great stuff now you're depressed what how how is that how is that it doesn't flow with the experience at all so sure. if it's related to that then great even though it's a cutscene and you'll we'll be skipping them all and the language will be ridiculous 
um, then it's it's something and it's a step in that direction. But if it doesn't impact any of that stuff and it is just, I mean, again, going back to FIFA, which I shouldn't, they have um, press conferences before games where you have to pick whether you want to praise or motivate your players uh, or pick out a certain player to praise or motivate. And it's the same with the opposition. And there is no, it doesn't have any impact. It doesn't say, so one of your players is upset by this. One of your players is motivated by this. The morale's gone up, the morale's gone down. Mm-hmm. It's seemingly just to make you feel better and just for pushing a button's sake. So how they implement it is the key factor with it, I think. Yeah, I agree. So moving on to number 11, and you've already sort of mentioned this, Master League, more realistic transfers. Yeah, it'd be good if it if it is. I mean, they, obviously, like they they know they're so aware of like their failed promises. So if if they really don't deliver on that this year, it, it it'll be so damaging for that contingent of the the customer base which buys it for the offline experience. Uh, so I just really hope it's it's genuine. I mean, I think I think on their website they wrote that they've sort of completely overhauled it. They've got a new a system that tracks the way that transfers happen in real life and you know it's sort of tethered to that uh, great i mean i don't suppose they must get all the complexities of it right it'd be nice if english players cost a lot more it'd be nice if clubs with insane revenue suddenly had to pay a lot more it'd be nice if you had incompetent uh, chairman you know edward woods who <laughs> ended up getting really shit deals that would be nice I don't, i'm not sure if that would be in it but just having something vaguely consistent and realistic and in, including rivalry problems you know stopping Messi signing for Real Madrid that would be good I don't know if you remember you've just mentioned then the um, dynamic lighting scandal <laughs> I think that um, Watergate for Pro Evo last year was the more realistic yeah. transfers feature that was mentioned then and B-Man did mm. make the point that they have literally said more realistic transfers in Mass League for the past three years um, but the issue last year was the uh, they released a screenshot that had uh, Salah, Mane and Firmino, I think, um, all in the high scorers list. And this is a screenshot of the Master League menu halfway through a season, all playing for different clubs, to which the Konami response was, oh, sorry, we've uploaded the wrong screenshot. And within a day, less than a day, it was replaced with the exact same screenshot but their club badge was replaced by the Liverpool badge. And <laughs> that was, I mean, that was astonishing because obviously they've said at the time, oh, it's a QA guy who was um, playing as Liverpool or, or whatever the, uh, the reasoning was. But the reality of the situation is if you reissue that exact same screenshot, but then the Liverpool badge appears next to all those players, let's be honest you've just photoshopped that that's not you've not gone back into the game and they've all got the same goals and everyone's at the same place in the league with the same round points and the same stories on at the top it was a picture of henderson i can remember that you've just stuck those liverpool badges on there so my hope is that the embarrassment that that caused and the fact that they've they've had to photoshop an image which they wouldn't admit at the time but i don't know how you could possibly argue that it was anything else. Mm. Um, hopefully, that means that this year they've gone, yeah, this was a big issue and we need to make sure that teams aren't selling their best players at the start of the season and then not replacing them. So uh, moving on to number 12, new celebrations. 
Oh, I couldn't really care. I, I know some people point out that um, both FIFA and PES are really bad at getting the whole team involved in celebrations. I don't know if that's some sort of limitation with the tools in their engine. I don't know exactly, but that, that would be interesting if they had celebrations where you just sort of got a raucous response from the crowd. I mean, the, the atmosphere is crap in PES, but it, it'd be great if the celebrations were sort of emphatic and the whole team was involved. And it was context sensitive, and you know, if this is a Golden Cup final, it actually, you know, the crowd's going wilder, and the the players are just like on the floor in tears with joy. Like that would be good, but I don't think that's what it means. So it's just like Lingard can do a dance, which you know might be quite fun because uh, he's just so annoying, and I kind of like that. But other- <laughs> otherwise, no, I couldn't really give it sauce. I do like that there was one video of a celebration that. Um, I think it was a gif actually that someone made that I retweeted because normally I, I'm with you. I see celebrations and I go, what's the point? In fact, I skip. I don't think I've ever watched a celebration apart from if it's a last minute winner and I've thrown my controller onto the sofa and done a lap of honor around the house, then yeah. the celebration will play on. But otherwise I don't pay attention. But there was a gif that went round of I think it's Suarez scoring in PES 2020 and the Barcelona players run behind the goal. There's four of them in tow. And they yeah. all run past the camera, all looking at the camera, doing a different thing. One does a dab. One, uh, I think Suarez mm. does the whole kiss his hand celebration thing. That kind of, it was almost like a comedy sketch where they're just running past the, the camera in quick motion. Mm-hmm. They're all doing a different kind of, um, a different gesture. That looked yeah. really good. And that was more um, evocative and more of a recreation of what you would see a team do uh, after scoring a goal in a match like that in real life. Yeah, the problem uh, is I saw that happen, sorry to cut you off, I saw that happen a number of times with different teams and it looks exactly the same. Oh, I've that's, not seen that. Oh, that's, that's just disappointing. That, that, <laughs> it, it might be that you score, so for instance, there's a context-sensitive celebration in the current PES where if you scored a goal really late in the match and you run up to the banners behind the goal, you'll jump onto the stands and the fans will hug you, and that's quite good. So it might be that it's tied into a certain time in the game. I don't know. But I have seen that, you know, currently you can set off different um, celebrations depending on where you run. So you can already do one where you run behind the goal. In the current pairs, it's just not as a, as a group of people. But the worst implementation of that will be if any team can do it at any, for any goal in any game, as long as they run behind, you know. We'll see. Number 13 is new licenses. Now, I know you might normally say, and I would definitely normally say, of oh, new licenses, not too bothered, but that does include the Division 2s are back from Italy and Spain, which the Master League players were uh, pretty upset that those uh, that those divisions were deleted, and I include myself in that. Liverpool are out, Man United are in, and it looks like Juve and Bayern are going to be in as well. How do you feel about the, the new licenses? I don't know. Um... Uh, it's a little cause for excitement, I suppose. It's good to get Old Trafford in, although I have a bug there about the way they do pitches still. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's great to get the, the divisions back in, the Italian and Spanish second divisions. I don't think, I don't know what the, what the extent of the copyright limitations are. Like, I, I know there was a debate about it on EverWeb recently about to what extent the stadium creator is, is actually um, something that they, they, they can't put in because of exclusivity arrangements. I, I'm, I do side on the view that it probably is 
an exclusivity problem because you'd have to have essentially the components for something that could be made that was very very similar within uh, the game to copyrighted content um, which is different from allowing users to upload pictures so I think I think it's I think it's a fair point and I think when it comes to the stadium editor yeah. we don't we don't know the the legal complexities and I think someone else mentioned um, AO International Tennis which I'm a big fan of um, from a gameplay perspective as well I think there's more individuality in mm. players uh, in that game than in any sports game I've played in recent years but as someone I think it was Tuny C-H-U-N-Y again I, I, I'm probably not pronouncing that how he'd like me to pronounce it but I think he mentioned that uh, making a tennis game or a cricket game or anything else is probably much, much easier than making a football game because of how many moving parts there are in that scenario, as well as tactical instructions yeah. and everything else on the top. And I appreciate that. But um, yeah, the AO International Tennis has a stadium builder and editor where you can make things look, uh, you know, you can make a Wimbledon that is pretty much um, a perfect replica of, of Wimbledon. So you could say on the one hand, well, you can do that there. But then as you say, that doesn't exist or, or other stadiums may not exist in other games. And therefore, is it yeah. an exclusivity thing or is it um, a an image rights thing? Or th- there could be a legal reason for that to, to not be in the game. So that's that's fair enough. But then if that is the case, then surely you've just got to give us more kind of generic stadiums that we can use yeah. because... I am not a, a graphics person, a licenses person. It really genuinely doesn't mean anything to me. But it is incredibly dull and it is you can't help but notice it when you're playing the same in the same stadium week in, week out. The guys who've got the uh, Scottish Premier League license, you know, the Scottish Premier League mm. license is in Pro Evo now, as well as you know, places like uh, Russia. And the guys who play in those leagues where you're playing in the same stadium every single week apart from when you're playing Rangers or Celtic or one of the you know the big boys if you like I wouldn't enjoy that at all I mean that for me an attitude a different approach to licensing that would be good is snapping up more championship clubs or or just the stadiums or even just creating fake stadiums with smaller classic British stadiums uh, some interesting Russian ones you know that could be an approach to licensing that it would uh, diversify the sort of the experience. Oh, I mean, that sounds like such a horrible marketing way of speaking. But yeah, you know, I think that would be more interesting. As for as for the, as for the big stuff like Manchester United and Juve, and I think it kind of matters when you've got people on Xbox. You don't have option files. I think it kind of matters that you have something to pull them in with for that side of the, the people who might be attracted to players if it has their favourite team in. You know, which isn't in general who you want to be playing this, but I think it's, there's there's some value to chasing those licenses and coming across like they've got something. Number fourteen is match day mode. How do you feel about that? This is I don't know if you've um, read about yeah. it, but it's where you vote for yeah. who you want to win in the derby that weekend, and then every game you win is a point towards that total, basically. Uh, I'm I'm all up for more modes in Peds, whether they're going to be good or not. I don't know. It is at least going to be an online thing. Uh, wait and see, I guess. Like because the details about it right now are really, really few and far between. Um, I know they're going to want to talk about it more, but if there's an online experience that isn't my club, where microtransactions aren't going to play a big role, could be interesting. And number fifteen is Ronaldinho. He is genuinely a feature that was announced in the E3 trailer as, yeah, a feature. You know, I mean, he's already in the game. 
Um, so like with the new tricks and stuff, you might be able to do some some more Ronaldinho-like things. But yeah, I do not play Pez to play like Ronaldinho, so I couldn't really give a toss. <laughs> I'm quite surprised by some of the answers I've got of that so far. I think it was uh, B-Man was saying, oh, well, I grew up watching Ronaldinho and I love him, so I'm just glad he's in the game. And uh, Rock Stronger was saying, oh, it's nice to have him for, um, if you can have him in the offline modes, if you can have him in your mass league or whatever, it's nice to see him. But they don't play football anymore. This is so pointless. Yeah. But I, I, I know that I'm the only one who, who feels like that. Anyway, my last question for you is, if you could pick three words that described Pez to you, what would they be? Mm. That doesn't count as a word. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fun, infuriating, inconsistent. Excellent. Well, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No worries. I will uh, let you get back. Thanks for doing it. It's going to take you a long time to edit everything down, isn't it? It is. (laughs) Cheers. Thanks so much for your time. Great to speak to you. Thanks. Tara. Bye-bye. Wait a minute, what are you still doing here? This podcast ended three seconds ago. Actually, it's probably a bit more than that. But anyway, seeing as you're still here, just a reminder that if you want to leave a voice message for us that's related to this episode, whether there's something that you really strongly disagreed with and we've ruined your day, or whether there's something that you want to thank us for being able to put into beautiful words, seeing as myself and my guest this week are such excellent wordsmiths, then leave us a voice message. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash evo dash web. That's still too much punctuation. That's anchor. A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash Evo dash web. I'm not spelling that bit out for you. You should know how that's spelt by now. And now, back to bed. Night-night, everybody.